I was able to walk into Barnes and Nobles with my 87-year-old grandfather who knew that I had written books, but he doesn't touch computers at all. So when I said, hey, grandpa, I got a book. He's like, where is it? What store? I'm like, it's online. He's like, it's what? I'm like, it's online, grandpa. And he's like, that's not a book. <laughs> so <laughs> we walked into Barnes and Nobles and he saw the book on the shelf and he was telling everybody that walked by, like, my grandson wrote that book. Get my grandson's book. And it was just, it was surreal. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is Matt Lovell from MindingTheGap.net. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jared. How you doing today, bud? Man, I'm doing good because our guest today is a rock star. Not a rock star in the sense of musician, although I'm sure he sings beautifully. Maybe we'll get him to do that on the show. But our guest today is Kamanzi Constable. Uh, he's an ordinary guy living an extraordinary life. He's a best-selling author of the book, Are You Living or Existing? Nine Steps to Change Your Life. Kamanzi is an international speaker and life coach. His mission is to help others figure out what their dream is and how to make the dream a reality. You can find out more about Kamanzi by visiting his website, Kamanzi Constable. Kamanzi, we're ready to live and not just exist. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Hey, Matt. Thanks for being on. And I'm really excited to talk to you both. Man, this is awesome. So Kamanzi, one of the questions we like to ask everybody that comes on the show is what is the best concert that you have ever been to? The best concert I've ever been to was Gavin DeGraw. My wife worked for Briggs and Stratton, and they sponsor Summerfest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I used to live. And they brought Gavin DeGraw in just for a private concert and just for the employees, and he rocked it. It was good. Man, I bet. So private concerts are always fun. So, Kamanzi, do you have a favorite live performance on YouTube? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you, Jared. (laughs) I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Like most people (laughs) wouldn't expect that, but I'm a huge Taylor. Hey, we're getting honest here today. (laughs) Right on, right on. (laughs) Well, number one, as you should be. And uh, number two, I didn't expect that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, most people don't. Well, good for you, Kamanzi. All right. So let's roll into blank versus blank. (laughs) Knowing that, do you still want to interview me? (laughs) (laughs) what's the best place for the listeners to stay connected with you online come on yeah Yeah, man (laughs) let's do it so we're gonna roll into blank versus blank we'll give you two options and if you're willing just choose one and maybe a short reason why and go ahead matt kick us off yeah i'll do that first i'm gonna make a suggestion jared maybe you should get some permission to use some special opening music for this particular episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think so all right, so more fulfilling, Kamanzi, 10-mile morning run on Maui versus breaking your first brick in Taekwondo. I'm going to go with the brick. I love Maui, but I got to go with the brick. That was absolutely amazing. It was absolute rush. I, when I started Taekwondo, I thought there was no way, So, but I'm going to go with the brick. Well, I got to say, I saw that video that you posted on Instagram, and that looked like a piece of paper. Like You just put your hand on it, and it was broken, so well, <laughs> you made that look really swollen. easy. My hand was swollen for like two days after that, so <laughs> it was definitely painful. Another little Taylor Swift can't cure. All right, let's do <laughs> exactly. finish this sentence. My favorite running app is? Well, it would be the Nike running app. I love it. It's versatile. All right, so there's a lot of different apps out there. Kamanzi, why the Nike running app? What about that is your favorite? It seems to be very reliable. It holds up with the GPS really well. It has a lot of data that you can have. I don't know about other apps, but you have friends on the Nike running app, so I'm always competing with my friends. 
Like I saw my best friend went out there and he ran like 10 miles. I'm like, great. Now I got to go out there and run 12. So it's, it's very good that way. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So it's got a social aspect to it as well. Definitely has a social aspect. Next finish this sentence. One of my favorite podcasts that you may not know about is. It would be the MacCast. I just became a Mac user last year. So I wanted to learn everything I could about Mac. And I discovered the MacCast. And it's entertaining. I love hearing all the rumors. I love hearing like the little neat, like geeky Mac tips and tricks. It's the MacCast. Awesome. All right. So my best advice on implementing steps towards that one dream or passion that you really want to pursue is? Take it one day at a time. When you start out chasing a dream, you see this big dream. I want to move to Maui. I want to lose weight. I want to do this and that. It just, when you look at the whole picture, it seems impossible to do. But when you take it one day at a time, you wake up and say, okay, what do I have to do today? Okay. What do I have to do tomorrow? And then if you wake up and you have a bad day and everything doesn't go as planned, you go to bed, you wake up and it's a brand new day and it's a brand new opportunity. So you take it one day at a time and before you know it, you'll look up and you realize you're only a few days away. Kamanzi, you're a man of action and you've lived that out. You've done the one step at a time, which I appreciate that about you. So how did you starve the doubts going from delivering bread at 19 to becoming a successful entrepreneur and best-selling author? For me, it was a lot of things. I mean, I still have doubts today, Jared and Matt. Doubts are always going to be something that are there. You know, I, I have doubts. Can I even afford this kind of lifestyle out here? My life, it's expensive. We went to the grocery store the other day and my wife's like, I don't know if we could do this. <laughs> so the doubts are always there. But for me, it was a combination of the plan, just uh, making sure I had a really good plan, um, solid, researched. Um, it was taking it step by step. And then it was support. So I have an amazing, absolutely amazing group of friends. It's two friends and my brother, and we have this little mini mastermind. I guess it's not really a mastermind, but it is. And every time I had a bump in the road or I was struggling with a doubt, I would just go to the group and I'd say, hey, guys, this is what's on my mind. And I could be honest with them and just put it all out there. And they were there to, to be cheerleaders. They were there if I was slacking to say, hey, you know, no, you're slacking. They would call me out. And so it was definitely the support that really helped with those doubts. Awesome. Yeah, I think supporting is a huge benefit. So during that time, right, early in the journey, were maybe some more bumps than there were successes, right? So describe those first few successes and how they helped propel you forward. When I self-published my first book in 2011, it sold five copies in the first six months. And I mean, not even my mom bought it. So that was a little depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when I discovered Taylor Swift, by the way. It was, a, it was a depressing time. But it was email from a 19-year-old young man who had been reading my blog and said, hey, you know, you really inspired me. I'm going to go quit my job tomorrow. And I emailed him back. I'm like, don't quit your job. Don't do it, man. And more than anything, you didn't get that from me because you know, I didn't want him coming back later and, and there being an issue. But we got on the phone and we talked. We figured out what he wanted to do. And even though I wasn't a coach or hadn't never even been in a situation like that, I helped him land that job. And the day that he called me, that he landed that job and he was crying, his wife was crying. That was like the first real success to me. I got off the phone and I realized like, this is my dream right here. This is absolutely amazing. And that success, that moment really helped me 
take my eyes off of myself and wanting to leave the job that I hated so bad and really focus on serving others. And that's what's really propelled me forward after all that failure. Wow. So, Kamanzi, one of the things that Matt and I appreciate about you is authenticity, and that's clear <laughs> from your answer to the uh, the live performance question earlier. But, <laughs> so, you talked about how you had success, and you were able to have that call with that guy, and how that encouraged you. So, in terms of authenticity, how important is authenticity for the listeners to move forward on their dreams? And then, what impact did authenticity play in you moving beyond that call with that young man? I think it's vitally important. I mean, people want to see and connect with the real us. And when I started on this journey, I um, I said what I thought people wanted to hear. And a few people responded. But when I just said, just put myself out there, and I started talking about things that were painful, like the time that I had to file a bankruptcy because mismanaged our money when we were younger, or the weight issues I was going through, or even the time that my wife and I were separated. When I just said, you know what, I'm going to put this out here in hopes that it helps somebody, people really connected with that message. They really connected with me and they really connected with the fact that somebody was willing to say, put their hand up and say, me too. And they responded and it was helpful to them. And just being your real self, putting yourself out there, that's what people are going to connect with. That's really cool, Kamanzi. I think you touched on something um, early on when you said that a lot of times you say things or do things that people want you to say and do. I think me personally, I'm susceptible to that even through the worst times when it's the worst days or the worst weeks, right? You try to put up this facade of, you know, what do people want me to be rather than being the authentic self? So what are suggestions that you have for staying authentic to yourself, your family and those people around you, even when you're trudging through the mud of those worst times? Just, well, first realize that this is just a season and it'll definitely pass. We all fall down, but you got to determine that you can get back up and then just have that support that you can reach out to. And you'd be surprised when you're going through hard times like that and you just kind of put it out there to the world via your website or your podcast or even on social media, just say, hey, I'm having a bad day. People want to encourage you. People love you. They want to be there. They want to help you. They want to send you well wishes and definitely more than anything, people will pray for you. And the prayer is what's really going to make the difference. And it's what we really need. So don't hold it all inside. When you hold it all inside like that, it just it's like a cancer eating at you inside. Just put it out there. Talk to somebody. Kamanzi, you said something just a minute ago that really hit me. And, and you talked about how you were having marriage problems and separation. You talked about you know, being overweight. I guarantee you there's a listener right now that's saying, man, I'm dealing with adversity. I'm having a tough time. I've got a really difficult situation. What's your encouragement? Just as you were talking about, you know, it's just a season. But but what do you say to that listener right now saying, man, I need to be encouraged? I would say definitely if I'm a Christian. So for me, it all starts with prayer. It starts with the Bible and just talking to God. So that's where it starts for me. And even if you're not a Christian, I would say talk to God anyways, because he he has all the answers. But more than that, as we talked about several times, reach out for support, family, friends, somebody close to you, and realize that we all go through it, but there's a rainbow after the storm. And so get through it, talk to somebody, definitely pray about it, and you'll get through it. I mean, it's totally possible. So, Kamanza, you were able to have a mindset that you were going to make some things happen. And, and we've already talked about a lot of the challenges you ran into with family, with health, with a lot of different circumstances. And you were able to say, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make this happen. So, for you, how does mindset make all the difference? 
it's vitally important for a long time. I think I was just pretending, you know, I started on my dreams. I started writing and doing a lot of things, but I really didn't believe it. I really didn't believe in myself. I really didn't believe in what I was doing. And it wasn't until I realized that this is actually helping people that this is important that this is what I want to do with my life. And when, when I realized I have to get serious about this, I can't treat this as a hobby. I have to get serious, treat this as a business, treat this as something that's out there to help people. Once I changed that mindset and I got really serious about this, and more than that, there was a lot of times, Jared and Matt, when I was building this thing where you know I started to see some revenue and things started to happen. And I thought, well, I could do maybe do this part-time and then go find a job somewhere in an office. I don't have to deliver bread anymore. I can get an office job where I'm inside. Inside, so be looking at Craigslist for jobs or putting my resume out there, a monster or stuff like that. I had one foot in and one foot out. I came to a day when I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this work no matter what. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this work. That's when things really start to happen. That's when the shift started to happen. And that's when this really started to take off. That's really inspiring, Kamanzi. I mean, clearly when you describe that, you can tell that mindset that you have that makes you take those steps every day. And I think that you talk a lot about your journey towards at least one thing that you spend a lot of time with with regards to mindset is your journey towards getting fit and losing the weight that you lost. So, you know, taking that mindset and applying it towards that journey, what sparked that change that one day when you woke up or that one thing that happened, you said, this is it, I'm done with this. And you're going to make that change moving forward. And how over that journey has that been a benefit to you? The weight loss journey has been interesting because several years ago, like five years ago, my brother was getting married and I was the best man at his wedding. And when it came time to try on the tuxes, they had to like go get a super extra large tux. They didn't even have one that was my size. I was that big. And that right there was a wake up call. So after my brother's wedding, I started working out and eating, but I did it on the extreme side. I was going to the gym for like four hours a day, and I was only eating 1,000 calories a day, which was one meal. I only ate lunch, and I lost 132 pounds in four months. Like It was just a crazy amount of weight. When I talked to my friends, I would always talk about food. I'm like, so what are you guys having for dinner? You know, (laughs) That's all the conversations (laughs) were, were about food. I'm serious, too. So you know what happened because I didn't really learn what it meant to be healthy. I actually gained all that weight back plus like another 38 pounds. So I came to last year and I was 170 pounds overweight. I was 370 pounds. And I was, again, the best man at my best friend's wedding. And this was on June 15th of 2013. And June 16th, the pictures started being posted on Facebook from the wedding. And I saw myself in the tux again. And I'm like, man, you did it again. You let yourself slip up again. And June 17th, I said, you know, I'm going back at this, but I'm going to learn what it means to be healthy. So I'm not just going to do the crazy diet and the crazy workout. I'm just going to take it slowly. So I, I got out there June 17th and I ran for one mile. You know, my parents are from Kenya. So like running is in my blood and I lived in Kenya for two years. So I said, I'm going to get out there and run. And I ran for a mile and I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Like I was just huffing and puffing. And even the Taylor Swift music I was listening to on the run, it didn't even (laughs) help me. But I took it slow every day. I just, I ran, walk, ran, walk. As far as diet, I just cut out soda. I cut out junk food and I just had portion control on everything else. I had everything else normally just smaller portions. 
And since June 17th of last year till today, I've lost 155 pounds, but I've learned what it means to be healthy. I've learned what it means to do it slowly and not do any crazy, crazy fads. And so now I've really learned the lesson and I just changed my mindset to the point that I want to be healthy. And even as Jared knows, because we're Facebook friends in the last 53 days, I've even become a vegetarian. Man. That's encouraging, though, on a number of levels because it shows, okay, you made some mistakes, you maybe failed, but that didn't prevent you from getting back up and doing what you felt called and compelled to do. So I appreciate you sharing that. I do appreciate that authenticity. And let's talk more about your story, Kamanzi, because your story is really amazing, what you've been able to accomplish, because over several years, you've been able to figure out or crack the code that a lot of these listeners are thinking, I'm working the day job, I've got the family responsibilities, you know, how in the world am I ever going to pursue this dream? And you've been able to to do that. One of your strengths is, is you're a giver. You're very generous. So in context of being a giver, how has that opened doors for you uh, that you may not have seen coming? And just share a little bit about your story about how you were able to crack the code. Yeah. For 12 years, I was a bread delivery guy, but it was my own business. It was a franchise. And when I was 19, I started it. It was wonderful. I was 19 years old, $55,000 a year. Life was good. We lived really good. We spent very foolishly. I mean, we bought all the toys, all the fancy cars, this and that. And then as I got older and we had kids, it was getting hard to, because I never knew enough about business to not be in the business. So I was out there on the bread truck every day. And as, as we got older and had kids and they started having recitals and all that, all that good stuff, I was getting three hours of sleep a night and I was going to deliver bread at midnight. And as the years went on, I just, I really started to just to hate it. And the habits that were forming, like always eating fast food and eating at odd hours and not sleeping and the stress. And it came to the point a little over three years ago where I said, enough's enough. I mean, I got to do something about this. This is not what I want my future to be. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought my calling was to be an event planner. And I'd seen it on TV. It looked pretty cool. You could boss people around. You had the clipboard, the nice office. So I told everybody, I'm going to be an event planner. And I actually got business cards made that said, Kamazi got some little event planner to the stars. So I got a chance <laughs> to put this to the test right away because my sister was getting married and she asked me to plan her wedding. And four days in, I realized I'm not called to be an event planner. It was a disaster. Um, <laughs> my family almost disowned me. <laughs> it was just terrible. So I went back to the drawing board, but while all this was going on, I had just been writing about some things that were happening at work and just some observations in general. And I looked at this little notebook and it was filled. I mean, I still have that notebook. I hand wrote this. It was just filled with notes about what the working man and woman go through. And I happened to come across a story of a woman named Amanda Hawking. She was a 19-year-old CNA from Minnesota, and she had written 17 books by the time she was 19. And she tried to get them published and nobody published them. So she went the Amazon route, self-publishing, which I had never even heard of before. She self-published them and she was able in eight months to sell a million copies of her books. And I thought, man, if this girl from Minnesota can do it, why couldn't I take this collection of thoughts, put it together in a book, and I can sell 10,000 copies? It doesn't have to be a million like Amanda. Let me just sell 10,000. And I was excited. So I had to work overtime to pay for the book and the website. And I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. And I got on social media. I wasn't on social media till like 2011. And I had resisted it up to that point because I was one of those people that said, oh, I don't want to see what you're eating for breakfast. And that's what you hear a lot when people don't like social media. 
So I got on there and I promoted hardcore. I'm doing air quotes. You guys can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. And (laughs) I thought that day the book came out, I thought I'd see 100 sales from friends and family because so many people had said they're getting a book. And the day the book came out, I saw a big fat zero. Nobody bought the book. My wife didn't buy the book. And, you know, by the end of the night, I ended up buying a copy of the book just so I had one sale. <laughs> and it was um, depressing. But then the six months went, and I sold five copies. And then I talked to that young man. And then I shifted my focus to, I didn't even talk about the book anymore at that point. I just really started to write, writing from my heart, putting myself out there. And that's when people started responding like crazy. Like the day that I posted about our bankruptcy, I'd gotten 106 emails from people saying, I'm going through that too. I went through that too. Like, I can't believe you're writing about this. Like, thank you for the encouragement. And it was just absolutely amazing. And from that point on, that's what I focused on, just writing content that I thought would help people go through what I was going through. And people started buying the book. They started sharing it with friends and and the power of social media. And then I figured out a little bit of strategy. You know, we're in this whole internet world and and there's opportunities to be exposed to a larger audience through like interviews and then also through guest posting. I was able to guest post for some amazing people, people that my heroes, guys like Dan Miller, who's my absolute hero, Michael Hyatt, John Acuff, Jeff Coins, like all my heroes, I was able to write for them. And so I started getting a little bit of exposure online. And uh, before I knew it, books were selling. I self-published a second book. And to date, those two self-published books have sold over 82,000 copies. I got offers from publishers in 2012. And that first offer I got, I opened it up, you know, in the mail. And I thought somebody was punking me. I'm like, you know, I asked my wife, I'm like, did one of your friends send this? What is this? And she looked at it and she's like, no, dummy, that's an actual offer from a publisher. And so... um, I got several of those, and I ended up signing with an amazing publisher called Sound Wisdom Books. And last year, um, in May of 2013, my first published book came out. I was able to walk into Barnes & Nobles with my 87-year-old grandfather, who knew that I had written books, but he doesn't touch computers at all. So when I said, hey, Grandpa, I got a book. He's like, where is it? What store? I'm like, it's online. He's like, it's what? I'm like, it's online, Grandpa. And he's like, that's not a book. (laughs) So (laughs) we walked into Barnes and Nobles and he saw the book on the shelf and he was telling everybody that walked by, like, my grandson wrote that book. Get my grandson's book. And it was just, it was surreal. And then in 2012, I was getting a lot of exposure online. So I got invited to speak at a conference in Huntington, West Virginia. Never spoken before, never had a desire to speak. It wasn't my thing. I walked up stage. And um, I looked at the crowd and I walked back out and I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm going on stage and talking to people. That's just crazy. But I did get back up. Uh, One of the other speakers was like, hey, man, just go up there and have fun. And that's what I did. And since then, I've spoken in 12 states and 12 countries all over the world, some amazing places. I got to speak in Jerusalem and I got to see the Bible come alive when I was in Jerusalem, which was absolutely surreal. And so then to culminate my story is, and Tuesday, Tuesday this past week, last week, our family moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're now here in Maui, Hawaii. And it's kind of surreal. I just pinch myself every day. I'm like, is this my life? And, and it is. Wow. Man, that's really, really cool. I love that story. <laughs> that's just so <laughs> encouraging to hear. I mean, you talked bankruptcy, you talked separation from your spouse, just being overweight. You just talked about a lot of amazing, crazy things that are reasons for everybody and their mom to not be able to achieve something. Yet, 
you were focused, you took those steps, you were a giver, you were authentic, you had the right mindset, and you've been able to accomplish something amazing. And now you're living in Hawaii. Who doesn't want to go to Maui? <laughs> I mean, Maui's the <laughs> best. So come on, congratulations, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And one thing I definitely want the listeners to take away is, you know, we're talking about uh, things that happened over three and a half years and, you know, a 30 minute conversation. Definitely realize that there is a lot of doubts in there. There's a lot of failures, a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of things that did not go as planned at all. A lot of things that went wrong. So don't, it wasn't just I did this, this and this. And then all of a sudden it all worked out like a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. I failed. I failed a lot. I'm still failing. But, you know, I determined a long time ago that every time I fall down, I'm going to get back up because life's too short just to stay on the ground. Wow. So in wrapping this up, Kamazi, who is doing something that interests you? Definitely it would be my hero. I always go back to him, Dan Miller. You know, I discovered 48 Days to Work. You love the book in Half Price Books. I picked it up. I devoured it in a couple hours. And ever since then, I'm a huge Dan Miller fan to see the, the millions of people that he's helped that he's helping every day just to see how authentic he is and he puts himself out there, how accessible he is. You know, the fact that I can email and and actually talk to him, he's definitely the guy that I just, I'm like, I have hero worship for him. Awesome. So Kamanzi, what is the best place for listeners to pick up a copy of your book? Are you living or existing and stay connected with everything that you are doing online? It's uh, KamanziConstable.com. That's K-I-M-A-N-Z-I. C-O-N-S-T-A-B-L-E. You could Google it and because there's not a lot of Kamanzi constables out there. Or you could go to <laughs> livingoregistingbook.com and you'll be redirected to the site. All the social media stuff's up there. But really, just come to the site, email me, send me a message on Facebook, whatever, and just say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I'd definitely love to be a help any way that I could. Kamanzi, you talked about failure and how you're just going to keep going. Do you have any other final thoughts for the listeners? Definitely. Life is too short to to let the failures win. Life's too short to let the doubts win. My father died at 54. He died in 2012. And towards the end there, talking to him, you know, the one thing he said was all the regrets that he had. He wished he had done this. He wished he had traveled more. He wished he had been there more for his kids. He talked about all the things he had wished he had done. And listening to him, he didn't talk about all the things he wished he had He didn't say he wished he had a better car or a better house or this or that. It was those experiences that he wished he had in life. Life is too short just to live for stuff and to keeping up with the Joneses and all that. Life, it's all about the experiences. And so failures and bumps in the road, those are part of those experiences. Don't hold back. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't say, well, I think, you know, I can do this tomorrow. I can do this next year. Now's the time. We're not guaranteed it tomorrow. Life's too short. Just go for it. All those dreams and desires and everything that God's laid on your heart, don't wait. Start chasing those now. And it's not going to be easy, but you know what? It will definitely be worth it. Wow. Kamaji, thank you so much. Matt and I really appreciate your time and, and certainly wish you and your family the best of success in Maui and all your writing and all your online businesses. Thank you so much, Kamaji. Yeah, thank Thanks you, Kamaji. a lot of failures, a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of things that did not go as planned at all, a lot of things that went wrong. 
So don't, it wasn't just I did this, this, and this, and then all of a sudden it all worked out like a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. I failed. I failed a lot. I'm still failing. But, you know, I determined a long time ago that every time I fall down, I'm going to get back up because life's too short just to stay on the ground.